please. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for all the things that you have uh, partnered with the Lord in doing already this morning. I was uh, obviously seeking the Lord as to what he wanted me to share today, and um, he kept telling me all kinds of wonderful things from his word, and I was jotting them down and starting to do the, the tracers that I normally would do. And when it came to this morning, it was very clear what he was requiring of us, and that is that we needed to pray. First um, Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. We've talked about this passage many, many times before. We've studied the various words that form the directive that the Spirit gave through Paul. And I, I feel like in this rather unusual and unique moment in the history of our country and, dare I say, the, the flow pattern of what God's timetable is for the world, it is imperative that we as saints um, embrace the unique calling of intercession that God has given us. You are the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. You are the remnant. You are that one that is called to be razor sharp as a son, as a prince, a son of the Most High God. And we need to remind ourselves of that because that is the way God has, um, has done any kind of intervention in, in whenever he has touched the world, whenever he has moved. In fact, everything begins with a voice. You know, when God was going to redeem mankind, he said he searched for an intercessor and could not find one. So he himself embodied that and patterned that for us. And so we need to uh, remind ourselves of the, the imperative nature, the necessary nature of what we as intercessors are called to be. And there is, there's been a, a really unique outlay. It's created an opportunity, but it's been an outlay over this past 10 months or so to inhibit the flow patterns of prayer that we've become used to. And I know that many of you have, um, have been faithful in establishing the prayer in your homes. I, I know that that's of the Lord. That's one of the seven ways the enemy is fleeing. And God is really establishing those, those dwelling places. And it's, um, it's, it's, a good, it's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. But one of the things that we have, um, that we have been hindered in uh, is the, the times that we would normally all come together and pray from, from time to time. We used to do, you know, every morning there's prayer. People have access, 
cards to come into the church to pray at various times during the week, and I know that happens. I'm grateful for that, aren't you? And um, we, we pray on Saturdays. We used to have a prayer time on Sunday nights. We prayer uh, at various points, and so much of that during this, this um, COVID time has been, I don't want to say eliminated, but it's been tabled because of, first of all, that long season where the government was restricting, but now, you know, social distancing, and, and I understand, we, we're under the blood of Jesus, God has protected us, but, and I understand the, the qualms that some have about getting out into the mix of things unless you just have to. Uh, we're people of faith, we're not of fear, and as I said, God has preserved us, and He has kept us under His blood, and He will continue to do so. But the long and short of it is, is that God just, for this morning, He said, you know, I, want, I want my people to pray. And so, remember what this says in verse 1. And, and it, it's about kings and for those who are in authority, so that in society a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty could be fulfilled. But there's four parts of this prayer time. One, supplications, which is deasis. Two, prosuke. Three, a derivative of entecano. And four, eucharistia. Those four things. You say, oh, you're using big words. Not that you would say this. You're using Greek words. Well, that's what it was written in. And, and we need to understand why the Spirit chose those words and see what it means. So, grace and supplication is, is one of the seven spirits of God. It is as a, dy a dynamic of partnering with God. When you offer supplication, you are, you are partnering with God. You are, you are asking Him in regard to things that you have been commissioned to do in conjunction with Him what you've been entrusted to do. That's the heart of supplication. And, of course, grace is, is the objective of God. You're always growing in grace. It's the throne of grace. Great grace was upon the early church. We, we, are, we are to be a people of grace. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Is the last marching order in the whole word of God. Grace, mercy, and peace was a greeting and a goodbye. So, God is all about grace, moving forward, moving upward, moving beyond where we are to accomplish something in Him. So these two things in the New Testament version are there for us. And of course, prosuke, as we've studied, is gleaning what God's, what God's thoughts are and letting that form our perspective. And so Paul begins with this. He could have said anything. But he, he said, I beseech you proactively, prophetically, that you remain as a person who knows you're partnering with God and that you remain as people who are believing that God is leading us and leading his kingdom into new demonstrations of grace. And as, as we partner with him in that kind of supplication, we are we are gaining his mindset and we're, we're allowing that mind of Christ to permeate everything that we are and let it reflect upon everything that we hear and everything that's going on around us. 
you know, I listen to a lot of different things during the day. I usually listen to them on Spotify so I can double and triple the speed. And um, I listen to a lot of good thinkers so that I'm, I'm affirmed with what, with what is being stated in government and, and what's happening in our country. But that's not what forms my opinion. What forms my opinions are spending time with the Lord and gaining His heart and knowing His perspective. You know, it's kind of like if you were a medical doctor and you were going to have to perform surgery on somebody, hopefully you have an understanding of what it is you can do and what your perspective is medically and how you're going to function in procedures and how you're going to address this and this and this. You don't let the person's issue formulate your opinions and what, what you're going to do and what you're not going to do and what you think and how you're trained. Hopefully, you're listening to that very carefully. So what do I need to do? How do I need to minister to this? How do I need to, how do I need to medically address this situation? But your training and your mindset is established somewhere else. So I try to stay aware of, of what's going on in, in the world and in our, in our country. I don't dwell on it. But that's not what forms who I am. I'm formed on time I spend with God, as you should. And, and I gain His perspective. I try to hear what the Spirit is saying to the ecclesia. And, and I, I, I try my best to let that be the foundation by which I view things. I don't let Mark Levin tell me how I should think. I don't let Hannity tell me how I should think. And I sure don't let any, either the Cuomos tell me how I should think. I don't, I don't let AOC tell me how I should think. I don't let this march or that march do that. I am a child of God. I am, I am called to be a joint heir. We are saints. We are partnering with the Lord. And so Paul establishes this by saying, the first thing you've got to do is commit yourself to supplication, and you've got to get the mindset of God. That's how you function when you're dealing with governmental issues, when you're dealing with kings and those who are in authority. And when God opens the door for us to go around the world and give directives by request to those that are in leadership, which God said prophetically over the years how many times he was going to do that, it's not going to be our opinions. It's going to be, what, who am I representing? I'm representing the Most High God. And this is what he's put in my heart to say, and here it is. That's what we've got to be, and that's what forms the basis of our intercession. That's who we are. So Paul begins this, and I want to add one adjunct to this. One of the passages, and, and we were discussing that this week, um, but I know a number of people have been remembering this, Rachel weeping for, his, for her children and grace and supplication being involved there. There are a lot of children across this nation that are that are really I don't know how to say it. They're just lost. And I think that God is in the in the year to come, this year of prophecy, is going to be stirring the hearts of those that are praying in grace and supplication. And that spirit is going to bring a lot of them into the knowledge of the light. And I'm praying for our own young people here, 
that, that God would stir the ones that are on the right path and that he will send the staff of the Spirit and bring those that are on a different path back in. But our perspective needs to be based on supplication and prayer. Intercessions is an interesting word because it is a derivative of Venticano, and really that's the kind of praying that Jesus was often known for, for doing. And it, it's kind of like the rhema of prayer. It's kind of like the kairos of prayer. You're instant in gaining an insight from God, and then you pray that way. And it's, a, it's an odd thing for Paul to be saying here, but basically what he says in these three things is, you're partnering with God in supplication. You're letting him form your mindsets, and he's giving you insight. But you've got to also be ready to, to respond quickly and immediately to what God says, to what God illuminates your heart. There's all kinds of needs. There's always a need that somebody's asking you to pray for. And, and I'm not just diminishing any of them. This isn't the latest thing that comes across your phone. That's not what this is, because they didn't have phones back then. They, they just used uh, uh, Morse code. Now, I'm just, I couldn't think of anything. I could keep moving. Um, but this is when the Spirit stirs something and you, and you pray, and we've got to be sensitive to that. But giving of thanks, Eucharistia, is, the, again, that commitment to grace, that the fullness of what God wants to do is, is going to be done in completion. We need to be in prayer in this, these days leading up to the, the election. There's more to it than who's sitting in the White House or who's in the halls of Congress. This is the enemy trying to press an agenda before the time. In a way, he's doing us a favor by revealing things that have been hidden for decades. He's letting us see the depravity and the wickedness that is forming the mindsets of so many collegiately and, and so many in, in um, aspects of, of social justice and, and the other things. It's coming out of the woodwork, and I think, I don't know how many of you are just aghast by some of the things that you hear. And if there was a time to abhor evil, it's, it's now. But um, the enemy's trying to press things before the time, which he always does. And we've got to stand for righteousness. We've got to stand for the timetable of the Lord. And I'm not willing to surrender this nation yet into the things that are forecast for it in the Scripture, but it's not God's time yet. We have to work for the night is coming uh, while we have light, while we have day, for the night comes when no man can work. I'm not willing to, do it, to let the enemy do a time change and... Uh, start darkness at four in the afternoon. It, we can't let that happen. And the enemy is always trying that. Daniel says that he would try to change the time, that the enemy would try to change the times. And it, it's not time yet. So we need to stand for what God is wanting us to accomplish and what he's wanting us to do. And we need to pray. Um, and these next years should be years of open doors, and we need to believe that this pandemic is going to go away, and it's going to go away quickly. We have a work to do in the nations. We're doing it now. We're reaching out every week, and we're teaching and preaching, and we're in contact 
with many, many people, and they're being faithful, but that doesn't, that doesn't match boots on the ground. And so we've got to have these, um, these travel restrictions go away. There is a lot of work to be done. And you, know, you say, well, you know, you could teach. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of like reading a book. I mean, there's a difference between reading a book and then being there with somebody who can actually show you what to do. And when we're talking about, like what I was talking about yesterday, going to high places and ministering with people in taking the kingdom against the gates of hell, we can tell them to do it, but we need to be with them and show them and pattern it. And so I can teach about it, we can teach about it, but there's a difference between that and actually being there. So we're going to believe that that is repealed too. All of this is just the enemy trying to, um, trying to shortchange what God has prophetically said he's going to do before the darkness really comes and impresses itself. And we're not going to let him do that. So we need to pray. We need to pray that, um, that this will stop and that the enemy agenda that he's wanting to press upon this nation is going to be quelled and, and quit. So we need to pray for our leaders. And we need to pray that God, we need to assert authority in this nation and in the spirit realm. And we need to ask that God would awaken his people to go and do what needs to be done in their voting. And, and we then need to not stop there. If we think that the result of an election is going to change things, well, the work has just begun. We need to be praying diligently that the, that the will of the Spirit of God will be completely fulfilled according to his timetable. Not our timetable, but his timetable. And I think if I were to ask and pull the saints here, I, I, would, I would have to say that if I said, do you think the enemy is trying to pull one over on us? Do you think the enemy is trying to insert things that are, first of all, not godly, and he's trying to do it and do it quickly with a bum's rush? Do you think that's what's happening? I think most people would say, yes, I feel that. I feel that. And so the enemy's always trying to come in one way before he flees. He's always trying to come in with an unclean force to block the momentum. Unclean spirits block things. And we've seen that. We, we need to pray that whatever the government of the United States, which is a leader of the free world, whatever's supposed to be accomplished, that the logjam that's blocked that would be eliminated. That the unclean spirit of dysfunction within the houses of Congress would be eliminated. And that God can do this for his timetable, not because we're waving a banner of one sort or another in political party, but we are citizens of the Most High God. We're citizens of heaven. And we need to believe for what God wants to do. And I just believe that prophetically, it's not time for the enemy to be able to insert his influence in the way he's trying to here. Now, again, those 60, 70 million people who want that aren't going away. And we need to learn 
what we are seeing happen so that it will help us to know how to pray and help us to recognize what the enemy, we're not ignorant of his devices, and then put together strategies to partner with the Lord based on that. See, the enemy will always allow uh, mistakes. He will make mistakes. And the Scripture shows this. Now, we don't dwell on it, but we're not ignorant of those devices either. And so we need to pray, and we need to, we need to pray these next couple of days as saints, proactively, asking for the will of God to be done, binding the enemy who would try to insert an agenda that is not of God and that is not according to the timetable of God. That's the way we pray. Now you, can bind, uh, you can bind all these politicians all you want, but they're still on the ballot. What we have to do is insist on righteousness, and we have to insist on the timetable of our God, and we have to insist upon the light being evident during the time that God says, you got to work, and you got to make divine hay while the sun is shining. Now, yeah, we see what's going to happen if we read the Scripture. We, we see that. And no matter how much we bind and rebuke and take authority over it, we're not going to change what the Word of God says. But it's not time for all of those things to, to be manifested or, or to be put in place yet. It's manifesting. You can, you can see the stirring of wickedness. You can see the agenda of the enemy. He's trying to learn. How do we shut down voices? How do we keep churches from meeting? How do we keep Christians from functioning? How do we keep them from being able to preach the Word? You can see all of these things that are told are going to happen in the end time. And it's just, you know, if the Antichrist was elected president, it, it just him getting up say or her getting up saying these things is not going to make it happen. But we see that groundswell and we see, okay, we're awake. We see this. But we're working. The night is not yet. And we need to insist that the enemy's not going to be come in and shortchange the timetable of the Lord. Now, God can, God can overcome that. You know, he can get around that. He, he, he does that regularly. But there's a reason he gave you authority. There's a reason he gave us authority. There's a reason that he put us saints on this earth. And we need to insist as sons of God in this terrio of the United States that we have been entrusted with we're, we're not letting this happen. We cannot because we're serving the Father. And it's, it's time for the light to prevail. We have a lot of work to do. And, and so we're going to pray. So I'm going to end this message. And it's just now, of course, again, it's 1.15. Your, your stomach clock is probably going off. But um, it's, uh, it's still earlier than I'd normally end. And what I'm going to ask you in this house to do, if you would, is go to the place where the polling is going to be happening here on Tuesday. They've got 10 workers this time, three times the normal amount. I don't know how many they're anticipating. Uh, there's been a lot of early voting. But we need to go and pray in that place as a touch point. It's an official polling location. There are going to be hundreds of people coming through here, and I would imagine from this neighborhood, even though you can vote anywhere now, I can imagine from this neighborhood a lot of people don't share the same viewpoints as you. Now, we bless them.
But we ask for the anointing of the Spirit of God to be in that room. We declare the blood of Jesus over this, and we reach into this national election and declare that what God has ordained will be. And we speak blessing over households and people that come in, that they would be touched and ministered to by the Spirit of God. It's not by might or by power, but by His Spirit. Let the Spirit of the Lord greet them. We are welcoming them in, but it's on our grounds, the grounds of the Spirit of God. This is holy ground. And we need to declare for that. And we need to, we need to pray that God's will would be done. And so that's what I'm asking you to do. You can go in there, social distance. You can pray in here, but at least find a time to go in there and, and, and pray. If you want to lay hands on the doors, do it. Let's declare the blood of Jesus. Let's pray. And, um, you know, this is, a, this is a capillary of the entire voting system. You know, when, when the doctor gives you a shot, he or she will find a, a little vein, and it touches the whole body. Well, we have, we have an active vein in there, so let's inject the Spirit of the Lord into it. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this. Um, I, I ask you that you'll use these intercessors today and in the days to come. I bless this congregation, and I bless the congregations of the saints those in the United States, we invite you to join with us in this point of agreement in prayer, uh, wherever you live. Those of you in the nations, we thank you for praying for us, and we bless your nations as well. And we declare, let God arise, let the enemies be scattered, and let righteousness prevail. We pray for our leadership in this country. And let the Spirit of the Lord be strongly upon those men and women. And may you guide them according to your will. And we thank you, Father, that the results are going to be as you desire. But we're going to pray. We're not going to take that for granted. We're going to pray. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.